The following program is a presentation of Grand Slam Ministries. Hi again, everybody. Welcome to this week's edition of the Dan Scott Show. This is episode 33. Hard to believe I'm saying that. I am Dan. We are presented by Grand Slam Ministries. Pray that you have had a great week and hope over the course of the uh, next hour that uh, we can uh, inform and entertain. Maybe you'll learn something you didn't know. But more importantly than all that, that uh, Christ is glorified and something you hear in our interview today or otherwise will make an impact on you for the kingdom of God. That is uh, our goal each and every week. This, at least as far as planning goes, is going to be the final week of our summer rerun series. If all goes according to plan, and, and you know how that works out sometimes. But if everything goes according to plan, next week we will start bringing you brand new interviews again on a weekly basis. Uh, I hope that you have enjoyed hearing some of the interviews that we've done earlier in the show. For some of you, hearing them for the first time because, again, our affiliates have grown from two stations on week one to where we are now with 13 and, and hopefully continuing to grow. So wanted to do that during the course of the summer, but things are starting to ramp back up. And if all goes according to plan next week, we will have a, a brand new interview for you as we uh, continue rolling through this program. This week, however, when the interview starts here in just a bit, we're going to go all the way back to the third episode of the show. And uh, one of my favorite interviews that I've done with a guy who is very prominent in the area of the country where I live. And for those of you in Paisley, Scotland, very prominent in the area of the United States where I live. But uh, I, I live in the upstate of South Carolina. And in Spartanburg County, which is a couple of counties over, there's a guy by the name of Chuck Wright. He is the sheriff of Spartanburg County. You watch news conferences with Chuck Wright, and he has the dual ability to, A, come across as a no-nonsense law enforcement officer, and at the same time, B, be very compassionate and very open about his faith in Jesus Christ. It's a remarkable talent that he has, and in the conversation that we had back in January, we talked about that a little bit along with several other things. We'll set that up for you in just a moment. First, as is usually the case, I want you to hear something about Grand Slam Ministries. And then at the end of the program, got something specific about this radio show and Grand Slam Ministries that I'm going to ask you to be in prayer about. But right now, listen to this. We'll come back on the other side with the interview with Sheriff Chuck Wright. Do not go away. Grand Slam Ministries exists to glorify Jesus Christ in multiple ways. Through this radio show, 
and its accompanying online, digital, and video components through our sister websites, danscottshow.org and grandslamministries.org, and through furthering our core missions, mentorship, and providing food and other necessities to children. None of this is possible without your prayers and support. By making a gift to Grand Slam Ministries today, you'll not only help this program remain on this radio station, you'll help us grow our family of stations, allowing us to bring stories of God working in the lives of men and women everywhere to a larger audience. And at the same time, your gift will help us in the initial launch of those core mission programs. Grand Slam Ministries is in its infancy. We need your support. Will you help us today? Visit our website at grandslamministries.org and prayerfully consider a one-time or monthly gift today. Above and beyond anything else, please pray for our ministry. Thank you and God bless. Like what you hear? Have a question or comment? Maybe a guest suggestion? Drop us an email and let us know. Dan at danscottshow.org. And now, back to the Dan Scott Show, presented by Grand Slam Ministries. Episode 33 of the Dan Scott Show. On each of our 13 different affiliates, thank you for listening to us on all of our live airings, or if you're catching it on the podcast replay, thank you for searching us out. We are available on basically every podcast platform out there, including not just uh, Apple and Google and those places, but uh, TuneIn Radio, Pandora. Basically, you can't get away from us. If you're looking for the Dan Scott Show podcast, just use that search term. You will find us. Or the easiest way to do it, perhaps, is just go to the website, danscottshow.org, navigate to the Affiliates and Archives page, and you'll find a full list of our affiliates. You'll find the the podcast archives, and you'll even find some bonus content on uh, my SoundCloud that is linked there as well. But thank you for searching us out, listening to us, however you are doing it, and just ask you to share it with people and help us continue to grow what we are doing here. As I mentioned in the open, this is, by plan anyway, the last week that we will be in our summer rerun series. We expect to start brand new interviews again next week. But uh, I wanted to go all the way back to the third episode that we did, and this would have been toward the end of January, and revisit a conversation we had with Chuck Wright. He is the sheriff of Spartanburg County, here in the state of South Carolina. And as I mentioned in the first segment, has the innate ability to be very direct and to the point on one hand, but show incredible compassion on the other hand. And as we go through this conversation, you're going to hear us talk about how he came to faith in Christ, about navigating that faith in his job as a law enforcement officer, the negative view of the police in many parts of the country these days. All of those things are on the table. But we began by talking about 
that unique talent he has to be both direct and compassionate when you see him speaking publicly, whether it be in person or on television in a press conference. Here's what he had to say about that. Well, I appreciate you having me on the show, first of all, but um, it, it comes from me reading the Bible and listening to what Jesus Christ tells me to do every day. Um, I hadn't always been that way. Um, I, I'm frustrated when people hurt or kill or rape or maim other people. It, I'm, I'm, I'm as angry as about it as you are. Um, but I, at the end of the day, I always have to remember, um, these are children of God and even bad people can change. Nobody's too far gone that they can't change their ways. Christ showed that when he, when he met, um, Saul on the road and he turned himself into Paul later. So I, I figure if Paul's got a chance, I do too. You know, it's interesting, uh, just reading uh, my daily Bible reading yesterday, I believe it was, Jesus was dealing with the scribes and Pharisees, and and, and we know what that bunch was like back then. And, and it said specifically in this particular passage that he was angry with them and grieved because of the hardness of their hearts. Jesus had righteous anger, and, and, right. I, and I think sometimes people overlook that character in Jesus. Well, I'm, I'm going to tell you that um, God didn't sing. Jesus didn't sing Kumbaya with everybody. I mean, he was a God of justice. He was a God of mercy and a God of grace. Thank God for that. But he was also a God of justice. Um, you know, the difference, you, you can't have, what well, the difference in today's society, a lot of churches are wanting to sing Kumbaya with people and not tell them about the real thing. The real thing is the real thing. Now, just because people are different than I am, and their thoughts and their beliefs and their actions and what they identify as has nothing to do if I care for them or love them, you know, but I'm not going to lie to you. You know, that's what a lot of the American churches are doing today is they're uh, basically selling a product or snake oil or whatever. I'm not, and uh, I'm not doing that. I'm going to tell you the truth. And, you know, he's talking about me getting to the point earlier. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm tired of politicians too. That's the reason why I'm not a politician. I'm just an elected. <laughs> You know, you you know, it's funny and it's sad when people make jokes is how can you tell when a politician's lying is their mouth is moving. You know, and I'm I don't wanna be I'm not a politician. I'm just a very blessed human being that's, that gets to serve as the sheriff of Spartanburg County. This is not my seat. This is the seat that people let me hold on to for a little while and I'm gonna do the best I can in the name of Jesus Christ while I'm here. So so which is your natural personality and which is one that the Holy spirit really has to work on you is, is it the blunt guy or is it the compassionate guy? I have to work on the compassionate side, um, more, um, look, I have been shot at, I have been, you know, run over crashes. I've been, you know, in, in a lot of situations And this job that we're in today, especially today can turn you bitter if you're not careful. Because it sometimes it's the mentality is us against the world, and it's just not that way. You know, when we had the the horrific incident over here with Austin Aldridge, I was reminding people: look, sitting on the side of the road, there's black, there's white, there's tall, there's short, there's fat, there's skinny, there's you know haves and have-nots. They're all coming to support you and me, and saying that this is not okay. What happened to our officers? So don't get the mentality us against the world, and, and, and it's very do that 
Yeah, and that, that's actually kind of the next question I was going to is is because I believe law enforcement now is the most scrutinized profession in this country, and, and everything you do is is under a hyper microscope. How do you not see the worst in people? Because you see the worst in people, but how do you not see the worst in people? Well, how I look at it is everybody's a sinner. Some sins are different than others, and some sins are more recognized than others. But, you know, everybody's just a sinner, man, in need of a Savior. And, you know, I can remember when I was pretty critical. You know, I, I, I was very fair. I was firm but fair. And I like to have compassion on people. I like to see people change. But, you know, I just see people as people. We're living in a fallen world, and this is not the world. This is not the end. If this was the end, I tell you, I could make a lot of things right um, the way I see it, and nobody could do nothing about it. But that's not it. You know, we, we, we're here for a greater cause. So that's how I don't get the cynical part of it. Spartanburg County Sheriff Chuck Wright joining us on this week's edition of the Dan Scott Show. So tell me about your faith journey. How did you come to a saving faith in Jesus Christ? Um, I went to church. I was forced to go to church when I was little. My daddy and my mama took me to church. They didn't send me. They took me. Excuse me a minute. Excuse me. I'm battling something. Well, I, I was I, I was churched at an early age, and um. I got up to a point to where, well, the church I was going to, I was seeing these guys doing things. And then on Sundays, they were telling me not to absolutely not to do that. And, you know, I was watching the double standard. And, and I got out of church at, at about the age of 16 or 17. I just didn't want to go to church anymore because I was like, I already know I'm going to hell. Might as well have fun doing it. So um, I was floundering around there and, and I met my wife. Um, she and I got married and. Then I got hired at the Sheriff's Department in 1980, August 22nd, 1986. Um, I was doing that weekend Christianity thing, man. I was going to church on Sunday, but Monday through Saturday, I didn't want to talk about no Jesus. I didn't want to talk about none of that stuff. You know, I, I had the excuse, well, you don't know what I go through. I mean, you don't know what people try to do to me when I'm at work. And, you know, I was, I was becoming a little harsh, I guess, and, and my thoughts were not pure. And, um, I remember going to a Cops for Christ meeting in over in Lyman, and, you know, it, it just kind of convicted me, I guess you would say. And I started, I got on my hands and knees, and I said, you know, I, I've tried it my way. I can't do it my way anymore. And I said, so I'm, I'm just, I'm ready for this journey. I'm ready. I know you died for me. I believe all that. And um, I just, my, my wife and I grew together pretty much and um that, that's how i got to where i am now uh it's because of my wife and persistency and going to church and being around other christian men and you know i don't see men now as when they fail as oh you were faking you know no they're they're just men just people people are gonna fall they're gonna do those kind of things and just got to try to uh set the example and say the right things around people but um you know, I, I want to challenge every man that might be listening to this program. I've been married to my wife, Kim, for 36 years. And, and unfortunately, just for the last nine months, 10 months, have I been praying with her every morning and reading my Bible. I had no idea I could love her so much deeper. 
um, she she became less nagging, I guess you would say, and I, I guess I became less abrasive to her. And but that's that's the Holy Spirit doing that. So I challenge you, men, for for just do it for one month and see if your relationship don't change. It, you know, it, it's it's incredible that you mentioned that because I guess this is going back uh, a couple of years. Our church had a thirty-one day specific prayer thing we were doing and i can't remember exactly what it was about but angela and i who have been married for 33 years decided for the for the first time in our marriage that that we would do this together and we started praying every morning before she went off to work we've been doing that now for over two years And, and as you said it's just incredible the depth of relationship that opens up when you think you know somebody and your wife knows you better than anybody. You know your wife better than anybody. But the ability to know somebody on a deeper level just by sharing those few moments together uh, is something that only God can do. That's a fact. You know, I, I'm I'm so deeply in love with my wife. I don't uh, I don't make no bones about it. I got five sons and six grandchildren, and every one of them know how deep I care for my wife. You know, she knows everything about me, just like you said, and she still loves me anyway. <laughs> we're vis- visiting with Spartanburg County Sheriff Chuck Wright. I, I got to go back to something you said a minute ago, and you were talking about men. And, and one of the, the main uh, mission focuses of our new nonprofit here, Grand Slam Ministries, is going to be mentorship. Because I've had men, especially since I came to Christ almost 11 years ago, pouring into me in those early days and continuing to do so. And I have mentors that I go to now. And, and you see this in your job, I think, more than than most people do, Chuck. Men are knuckleheads. I mean, we really are at times, aren't we? Oh, no, no, not at times, all the time. Got <laughs> it better some other times. <laughs> and, and, and yet, and yet God loves us anyway. And, 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 First John tells us that if we're uh, willing to confess our sins, that he's faithful to forgive us. And, and sometimes, I think because of the way we're wired, and, and maybe you can speak to this, we think we can do things on our own. We, we If it's broke, we want to try to fix it. And, and we have a hard time letting go. Yeah, that's the struggle with Christian men is they are fixers and doers. And, you know, I, I got frustrated not long back, but in my men's group that I'm um, I get to attend every Monday at, at our church. Um, I was frustrated because I've given some people the information they needed to be Christians and how to make things right because I know how it works. Um, I've done them, and, and they don't do those things. I get very frustrated with them, and I was, I was like, well, wait wait a minute. But, you know, And my buddy reminded me. He said, now, Chuck, look, sometimes he said you need to talk to people and give them the good advice of, of turning them toward Jesus, he said, and it's not your timetable. And when he said that, I was like, you're right. Um, I was trying to, you know, because it's so simple to me. It is now, but I remember a time when I struggled with that. Mm-hmm. Just trying to, I, there's a great song out, and this is the way I see it. I'm just a nobody trying to tell everybody, you know, about a man that saved my soul. I just... I want to be that light of Christ. I want people when they see me to see peace, you know, and Christ is peace. I want them to see compassion. Christ is compassionate. I just want them to see the Lord, man, and trying very hard not to mess this thing up. 
And yet, as I said, in your job, which you face danger every day, all of your deputies go out and they have no guarantee that they're coming back home the next night. It's a thankless job. And you're under, as I said, more scrutiny now than than any time, I think, in the history of this country because of things that have happened uh, over, over the past couple of years. And, and we just had another situation uh, in Memphis that is now drawing national attention. When these things happen, how do you feel like it reflects on you and your job and your men, and how do you approach those, those issues when they come up? I don't think it directly reflects on our guys, and, and, but I always know that the media is going to come and ask me what my thoughts are on those kind of things. So it gives me an open mic to say, look, we don't act that way, and we're just as frustrated as you are. Um, there's no other profession uh, that people can talk about that if something happens clear across the other side of the world, that we all get lumped into the same thing. There are more teachers having sex with students than bad cops, I promise. You know, there there are way more bad ministers and, and pastors that are doing things that are actually literally on the sexual registry list than police officers, yet we get uh, scrutinized so much. So I just tell them, like, I'm, I'm not going to take responsibility of what some um, very bad people did in Memphis. I'm just going to take responsibility for what I've done. And so I just encourage the officers and we make sure that those policies are updated and those things. So, so you use the word encourage and that's where I was going to go next, being able to stay encouraging versus battling discouragement in, in, in all aspects of your job, that part of it being included. How, how do you battle discouragement in your profession? The Holy spirit. I mean, it truthfully is a prayerful daily walk, um, and yeah, I mean, I still get frustrated and I still get a little bit sideways. And, and when I do, I pick up the phone and call my wife or I call one of our chaplains here. And, you know, I just talk to somebody that kind of gets me and they're like, Hey, don't, don't forget now. We're still the good guys. Everything's good. You know, everything is good. And I was like, yeah, you're right. So I just learned to start counting my blessings instead of complaining. That's easy preaching hard living as a pastor of mine used to say. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's, right. Uh, Sheriff Chuck Wright joining us here on the show this week. Um, you mentioned August 22nd, 1986, the day that you began your law enforcement career. And I was doing some reading uh, of a couple of articles preparing for this interview today. And, and one I saw, you said that after the first week, you, you were done. You, you thought you were ready to quit. And, this is, and you're a guy who's been sheriff now for almost 20 years. T- tell me about that why were you ready to give it up perhaps after just your first week on the job i saw all kind of men doing things that i was like dang i never seen that in person that's only been on tv um you know and and it was just a little bit unnerving i guess to see um because all the officers were talking about how it's very easy for us to get killed and you know don't get killed when you walk down there and i'm like i don't plan on getting killed when i walk down there but you know, they, they were just trying to prepare me and I guess just to see if I was ready to go. And my father-in-law told me, he said, Chuck, you just don't understand some things about it. 
um you know my dad my father-in-law is a fantastic man and, and i love him more than anything but he told me he said just give it a little more time son he said because he said it gets frustrating gets overwhelming he said it's the unknown for you and and i when he said that i was like exactly right it's the unknown for me so i just kind of gritted my teeth and i was like i'm not gonna quit i'm gonna go do the best i can and and it worked out and coming up on 37 years later, even as much as you know about the job now, there's still an unknown factor every time you put on that badge and go to work. Yeah, I, I would have to say that you said that I'm in danger every day. The deputies are the ones that I'm more right. concerned about. Truthfully, you know, they are the ones that go out there and, and, and tackle the bad guys and, you know, get shot at and have to shoot people and have to go home to their families and figure this thing out, too, and. You know, I just, I just got so much admiration for the men and women that work in law enforcement, you know, especially the ones here, um, but all law enforcement in general. You know, if you, if you poll 99%, all the police officers, 99.9% .9 of the officers would be like, the guys in Memphis are idiots, you know, and probably 100% would say they're idiots. But, um, you know, we just, we just got to keep going, man. And, and there's going to be other things. You know, because people are looking, um, are looking for ways to discredit us because bad guys, and, and I put it like this, the dark don't like the light. You know, Jesus Christ said that from the beginning, and I understand it a little better now. You know, we're supposed to be the light, and but those officers were walking in darkness, and the, but the light overcomes all that darkness, and you know, we just we just got to be the light. Has there been a a moment or two on the job where your your Christian witness has had an effect on one of those from the dark side uh, and, and that has encouraged you and, and, and kept you going over all these years? Yeah, there's been a few people that have come back to me and said, look, I remember you praying with me and it made a huge difference. And, you know, I was able to uh, get my life straightened back out with the help of the Lord. And I was like, gosh, man. <laughs> You know, winner, winner, chicken dinner. Yep. It's just like, it's like the mentality of the young man that was standing on the beach throwing starfish back in the water. An older, crusty gentleman come around and he says, what are you doing, boy? He says, I'm trying to save these starfish. He says, you're never going to make a difference. He picks one starfish up, throws it in the ocean. He says, tell it to that one. So you, you just got to keep throwing the starfish back in the ocean. What was it that attracted you to a career in law enforcement? I was a volunteer fireman at Welford um, Fire Department, and I watched how the county demanded respect in their presence when they were on the scene. And, you know, I was already into trying to be servant. And uh, I just, I was looking at them guys, and I was like, wow. I mean, that would be awesome to be a part of that crew that comes and takes care of business and helps people. So that's where it got me started. And as I say, almost 37 years later, still going as we continue to visit with Spartanburg County uh, Sheriff Chuck Wright. Uh, one of the other stories I read, and every law enforcement officer I'm sure has these cases. In fact, I was thinking last night, Angela and I love watching true crime television and we watched a show that was produced out of Canada called cases that haunt me and it was about detectives talking about cases that they just couldn't get couldn't get out of their system even long after they're done 
And, and the article I read, you mentioned two cases, uh, Todd Colehep and, and Dana Satterfield. And th- those are extreme, obviously, but ones that, that I would imagine anybody in your position would, would find it impossible to shake. Yeah, it's just sad to see how somebody could, could do that to a, a mother of two, um, a, a, a small business lady. Um, I, I, don't, I don't get it. And um, I don't understand, you know, the draw for Todd Cole, Cole help to do because he did. I can't make my mind wrap around it. We saw some things on that property in Woodruff I just assume not ever talk about, you know, and no. Uh, um, the, the, I'm telling you, the hardest things is when I seen my deputies laying in the uh, laying down that were shot and killed, and you know I, I'll never get get that out of my mind. I get it, but uh, God's helping me sleep better. You know, there's a lot of things that, and, and deputies go through this stuff. It's not just me. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't want I don't want anybody to feel sorry for me about this. I just soon you pray for me, but you know, so you pray for the deputies not only for their safety, but they can use their forgetter, so to speak you know, a little more often because they see stuff and it's, it's, man, I tell you, it's, we go home and cry too when babies are abused. We go home and, and cry too when, you know, things just get overwhelming. I mean, it's, it's just, um, just got to keep them in your prayer. Yeah. And, and again, I, I think that's, that's easy preaching, hard living uh, it, it, in, in the media. And, and I've been doing this for, I'm in my 38th year uh, now. Um, we tend to get jaded and, and, you know, because we deal with coaches, I deal with coaches all the time and, and you can go to a press conference and you can almost predict exactly what a coach is going to say. And you just, you know, the names are interchangeable. This is a script they're going to use. And it's easy to get jaded in, in, in my profession. I would imagine that it's a hundred times easier in your profession to get jaded. And so how, how do you combat that? Yeah, go back to what I was talking about, the Holy Spirit, just praying. And, you know, I used to read my Bible, honestly, to say, okay, I've read my Bible. Now I'm reading my Bible and mm-hmm. I'm searching Bible. And I'm trying to figure out what that Bible is telling me today. You know, there's times I get up from reading the Bible and I go, I don't, I don't have a clue what you're trying to tell me today, Lord. But, um, you know, and then something will happen. Um, maybe the next day and I go, Oh, I get it. I get it now. But you know, it's that Holy spirit. You just got to keep it in you and you got to keep it alive. And, you know, I, I tried to tell some people before if you only talk to God with you in trouble, you know, pretty soon he's going to say, who are you again? I don't want him to say that to me. I want to talk to him daily. I want to, you know, I put all my hopes and dreams in him. No, um, the Holy spirit will, will help you get through that stuff. I'm sure that someone who is in a, a high-profile position like you are, who spends a lot of time in front of the cameras and is, is as open with your faith a, as you are, gets criticized for being open with your faith. Um, how did you learn to handle that? Well, I read in, in, um, when Jesus was talking, he said, hey, you know, you got to take heart, guys. I took, I've overcome the world because he said, if you follow me, you're going to have this kind of stuff. So even though it's not fun and I don't wear it as a badge of honor and I should, I guess, but I just know that I'm doing something right. Um, because I'm talking about Jesus. I had some, a group of attorneys out of Washington, DC sent me a letter, um, year before last 
and said, you're going to quit talking about God on your interviews and on your Facebook. And I wrote him a letter back and I said, no, I just put no. And uh, six months later, they did it again. And I said, look, if a man can identify as a woman and a woman can identify as a girl or, or a cat or a dog or whatever they identify as now, I said, I can identify as a child of God and you have no laws that can separate me from that. So hadn't heard any more back. Funny how that works, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> but the part is sheriffs across this country that don't know how to stand up to that. Mm-hmm. You know, faith is something that they, and I hate to say it, but they wear it on their sleeve and it's just there for convenience. And, you know, but I'm, I'm not that guy. And uh, I'm not a holy, holier than thou kind of guy, but uh, I just try hard every day. Chuck Wright joining us, Sheriff of Spartanburg County. Uh, try to wrap it up here in the next uh, three or four minutes as I really want to be respectful of your time. And again, just uh, incredibly grateful that, that you have uh, agreed to, to share from your heart with us on, on the show today. I, I do want to talk about something that maybe a lot of people don't know about you. The, the fact that uh, you and your wife have fostered children. Um, you, you have adopted some of those children. Uh, it, it's, a, it's an incredible expression of love where where did where did that desire to become foster parents come from and, and how rewarding how challenging has it been over the years well it's been just as challenging as it has been rewarding that's for sure and you know kim and i have five sons and two of them are adopted but we don't recall which ones those are because <laughs> you know? we love them they're a gift they're just a gift and we've we've sat and cried when other foster children had to go away from our home because they were being placed back into their home or somewhere else and you know kim and i did that for about 20 years and it was kim's idea it's not mine it was kim's idea and um it was it was easy to do it um wow (laughs) i can i can look back now um on some of the young men and women that we've had and i still keep in contact with a few of them they they still call and you know, call me mom and dad, call us mom and dad, and they love us and we love them. But uh, there's some kids that, uh, you know, they they just messed up and they need prayer. Yeah. You know, and it's unfortunate when a child has to say, especially a child, child, I'm talking about eight, nine, 10 year old child has to ask why dads do certain things. And I'm like, oh, my Lord. You know, that's not okay. Evil is still prevalent, and, mm-hmm. and that kind of stuff happens. And You know, I ask you to be aware. I don't falsely accuse, but be aware if, if you see some kids exhibiting the right signs and everything else for that. Well, you probably don't know this about me, but I, and I share this openly in my testimony, but when I was in the neighborhood of seven or eight years old, I was sexually abused by a group of older boys for an extended period of time and it took one person finding out and speaking up about it to get it to stop and so so as you said you don't want to make false accusations but you do have to have those antenna up all the time that's right um you know this human trafficking thing is a real thing it's not a catchphrase you know we have to we have to be careful we have to take care of our babies that's what we have to do you know, you're a great example, and I thank God that you're a great example, that there's life after, you know, stupid things that happen to people. Mm-hmm. You know, do it, and I'm, I'm, I hope you share that with other people. You know, boys are the one, are the, of the one, uh, boys won't come and tell. Girls will tell. Boys are just like, nope, and, they, and they'll get angry. They'll get bitter. They'll all of a sudden quit studying. 
you know, all that kind of stuff that, um, you know, there's more reading materials out there for you on that, but, you know, they get angry, they get confused. They won't do their homework. They feel like they're not worthy, those kind of things. And that's, that's just Satan doing that to them. Uh, but, uh, boys are really hard. They won't come forth. Yeah, that's 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 one of the reasons I started to feel like uh, about a year, eighteen months ago, that God was calling me to to be more aggressive in st- in seeking public speaking opportunities to share my testimony because of of what He did in my life. And I was a knucklehead for forty five years before, and I'm a preacher's kid, you know. And you go back to the go back to being forced to go to church. I always tell the it's the old preacher son joke, Chuck. I I had a drug problem. I was drugged to church every time the doors were open as a kid. <laughs> So sounds like we have that in common. Let let me, uh, as we get into wrap-up mode here, just a couple of things. Number one, it sounds to me like your wife, Kim, is a huge spiritual influence in your life. Man, I outkicked my coverage when I married that, that girl. <laughs> she is. She's, she's the bomb.com. How long did it take you to figure that out? About the first time I saw her, and that's the truth. About the first time I, I saw her probably three months before I ever asked her out on a date. And I was just like, she's never going to go out with nobody like me. And and then when I asked her, I guess she was just having one of those, well, it's time for to have guilt and mercy. So I'll go out. <laughs> and, and look what happened all these years yeah. later, right? Never dated anybody since. God knows. So God, God has somebody for everybody. Um, how much longer do you see yourself doing this? Until God tells me not to, and I am planning on running again this coming term, you know, but, but until God says, Hey, I, I got somebody else that's going to be a whole lot better than you. And that's my prayer. Whoever comes in behind me does a hundred percent better than I ever did. And I'll, I'll be happy as I can be about it. Finally, when it's all said and done, whenever that time comes, what do you hope that people remember about Chuck Wright? That I love Jesus Christ a lot. All these accolades, man, these things don't mean nothing to me. I mean, they really don't. They're fun to get. They're they're exciting, and I'm honored and proud. Well, I don't want to say pride, proud because pride in the Bible is never good. I'm honored and blessed to get those uh, accomplishments and recognitions, but I want them to know that, uh, that I love Jesus Christ and I love people. At the end of the day, everything else are crowns we're going to cast at the feet of our Savior in heaven. That's exactly right. He is our greatest crown. Amen. Chuck, I can't tell you how how fun this is, uh, my ability to talk and think of things on the fly. We could go another hour, but as I said, I want to be respectful of your time. Just know that we're praying for you. Um, thank you for being a public witness in a, in a job that uh, the stress level, especially for, as you said, the deputies in the field, is, is just incredible. And um, I hope we get a chance to catch up again soon. Yeah, thank you very much for this opportunity for me to tell people um, how God saved a knucklehead like me. I found it interesting that Chuck Wright used the word knucklehead to describe himself as we closed out that interview because that's a word that I use a lot of times to describe my behavior prior to giving my life to Christ on June 10th of 2012. Let's just say it is a very kind, very understated way to describe the kind of person I was. And any of you who have 
heard my testimony know what I'm talking about. But I, I just found it uh, in, intriguing that that Sheriff Wright used the same word. I, I can't tell you how much I enjoyed that conversation. It has been a blast revisiting it, and hopefully we'll get a chance to have him back on the show before too much longer. But thank you again to Spartanburg County Sheriff Chuck Wright for your time. When we come back, we've got a little more time to fill than we normally do. So I've got something that I, I want to talk about uh, when we return. It's something specific where I need your prayers for this program and for what we are doing moving forward. We'll do that when we return as the Dan Scott Show goes into wrap-up mode right after this. Is there someone in your life who has been a spiritual mentor? An influence so great that you'd love to find a way to honor them? For a gift of $200 or more to Grand Slam Ministries, you can dedicate a segment of the Dan Scott Show to that very special person. Honor someone who is currently in your life or remember the legacy of a loved one who has passed. Make your gift online at grandslamministries.org and we will send you an information form which will allow you to tell us all about this special person, how and why they were a spiritual influence, their favorite Bible verses, and anything else that you would like to share. In doing so, you'll be covering our cost of one week's production, helping ensure the Dan Scott Show stays on air and continues to share stories of loved ones like yours. In addition, you'll get your own copy of the program in which your loved one's story airs, either by MP3 or CD. Help the legacy of your spiritual mentor reach others with your gift of $200 or more today. Do so online at grandslamministries.org. That's grandslamministries.org. Teenage boys and young men today are in crisis. Statistics show that a home without a father or male role model present is the single biggest indicator of poverty, behavior issues, drug and alcohol abuse, criminal activity, and yes, imprisonment. At Grand Slam Ministries, one of our core missions is developing a mentorship program to teach boys how to become strong Christian men and then teach those men to be the biblical husbands, fathers, and church and community leaders the Bible calls us to be. We need your prayers. We need your ideas, and we need your support. Visit our website, grandslamministries.org, to find out more about our mentorship mission and prayerfully consider how you may be able to assist us. Again, that website is grandslamministries.org. Want to see a listing of our affiliates? Check out videos or listen to past shows and explore our archives? It's all available at our website, danscottshow.org. And now, back to the show. I love that blues riff. I know I've said that before, but that's outstanding. Hey, welcome back to the show. It's our final segment. Thank you again to Spartanburg County Sheriff Chuck Wright for the time he gave us back in January and played it again today, the interview, as the final session, if all goes according to plan, of our summer rerun series. But uh, it's an interview that I really wanted to circle back to one more time. Uh, I really admire Chuck 
right a lot and uh, praying that that God will continue to bless what he's doing in, in a field that is uh, quite thankless uh, in a lot of ways right now. But uh, God has put several people on our radar moving forward. And again, if all goes according to plan next week, we will start a series of brand new interviews on a weekly basis. So just be in prayer about that. Those of you who have listened to this show long enough know that the the main thing that I am trying to do, it, it's really a twofold process, glorify God in everything we do and not get ahead of him in the the growth of the show and the nonprofit Grand Slam Ministries. Uh, getting ahead of, of God is never good, and I've got a track record, especially early on after I got saved of, of doing that, and I've shared that uh, on numerous occasions, and, and it all went terribly wrong. So if anything, when it came time to to follow God's lead into the nonprofit and this radio show, I, I probably dragged my feet too long trying to avoid making similar mistakes, and, and then as I have shared uh, about how all of this came about, the the uh, the road signs became just unavoidable. Every devotion I was reading, every sermon that I heard had something that was pointing me down this line until I finally said, okay, God, let's go. There are obstacles that are going to have to be knocked down, and, and he knocked down every single one of them. I have to remind myself we are still in our infancy of this thing. The, the radio show has not completed its first year. The nonprofit was formed in 2022, and I've talked about it being a kind of a three-year process, learning what I could about it last year, getting the radio show in operation and growing it this year and using it as a way to shed some light on our core missions of mentorship and helping children. And then next year, year three, hoping, if it's God's plan, that we will be able to not only continue to grow the radio show, add more affiliates, add markets, but start putting some programs in place for those core missions. That's my plan, and I am doing my very best to submit those plans to the Lord. This week, I had a telephone call uh, from a gentleman with an organization, and I'm not going to tell you who right now, but it's someone that I had emailed uh, a week or so ago, and he was on vacation, but he got back in touch with me. It's a, it's a national, uh, national organization, national company that would allow the distribution of this radio show to explode. Let's just say that. We had a really, really good conversation. Uh, and the thing that impressed me about what ultimately transpired over the course of that 30-minute conversation was that the 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 man that I talked to is the chief of programming for this, this major entity. 
and unbeknownst to me, and this is a credit to him for doing his due diligence, while he was on vacation and he got my initial correspondence, he actually listened to the show, investigated the website, and told me that he came away impressed with what he heard. He then said that he kicked it upstairs to his superiors because they have to vet everything. And I had no idea any of this was going on. I had just made a simple inquiry. And his superiors listened to the show, checked out everything, and they came away impressed with what they heard. And I give all glory to God for that. I'm taking no credit for it at all. Because in any good thing that I've done in my life, any talent that I have has come specifically and only from God. But it, it was encouraging to me to hear that, unbeknownst to me, the, these people at this, this major company were doing due diligence just off of an an inquiry email that I sent. They knew nothing about me, nothing about this show, nothing about Grand Slam Ministries, and yet they did that kind of due diligence before the guy ever called me this week. And we had a great 30-minute conversation. And, you know, we got around to talking about time availability and rates and it is far beyond anything that we've ever done. God would have to open some major doors from a revenue standpoint to pull this off. But as I have reminded myself this week, the Lord's resources are infinitely greater than mine or, or anybody's for that matter. So it's it's given us something to pray about here because on one hand, from, from my personal standpoint, the amount of money that we're talking about to do this is a lot. It, it's three or four times more than, than we have raised uh, at, at any point in time in, in the first you know, year plus of this venture. And at the same time, in the grand scheme of things, it, it's not a whole lot of money. And the one thing that this gentleman told me, the only critique that his higher-ups gave him of this radio show was they felt like I, as the host, needed to be a little more overt and direct when it came to interacting with the audience concerning fundraising, donations, Um being more uh, forward, I suppose, about coming to you and saying, hey, we need you to support what we are doing here if this thing is going to grow. And that is something, if you've listened to the show through the first 33 episodes, I've been kind of careful to avoid. Uh, I I have talked about our needs and, and what we what we do, and I have some commercial spots, for lack of a better term, that talk about ways that you can support it. But I I have very rarely 
come onto this show and, and gone into full pitch man mode because of, of a couple of things, uh, of money being an issue earlier in my life. I chased it way too much. It's part of my testimony. And in B, knowing that God is going to provide in his time. This conversation, though, was a reminder and maybe maybe a push, I don't know, from the Holy Spirit that, yes, God will provide, but you need to tell people what they can do to allow him to provide. And to that end, I have mentioned this before, we are going to, in the not-too-distant future, be launching a campaign. And and we're going to be doing it on social media, going to be doing it through the show, going to be doing it in, in various ways. But the idea is to get 200 people giving at least $25 a month and 200 people giving at least $10 a month. And if we were able to get to those numbers, then we could do everything we wanted to do growing this radio show, including this very national organization that could take it to who knows where, and start funding programs for our core missions. So I want you to think about that and join me in praying about it. I took this to my mentors earlier this week, and they are praying about it. Because I'm not going to do anything that is not where I feel like God is leading me and leading this this program and leading this nonprofit. But please join me in prayer more than anything. And then if God is leading you to do something, even before we do an official quote-unquote campaign launch, you can donate at danscottshow.org. There are tabs all over the place for you to make a donation. And there's also an address if you'd like to send a check. But pray about it, and let's see where God takes this thing. Thank you for your time, and we'll see you again next week. God bless you, and so long, everybody. Mm -hmm.